and and honestly, I was watching him going, I want a golem. I mean, you know, when this comes time again, right now it's winter time, but when it comes time to cut grass again, I don't really like doing it. So it would be awesome to have a golem, you know, just have him go cut the grass, and then it, and then I would remove remove the amulet off his chest and put him in the garage. Or you could literally push him along the floor, and he'd be the grass. He'd eat the grass. <laughs> you just push him along the floor. <laughs> Cinematic Fantastic. Batu, Barada, Nikto. I'll show you who I am and what I am. By a werewolf and lives, becomes a werewolf himself. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Hello and welcome to the Cinematic Fantastic Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Weatherford. And your other host, William Weatherford. Get ready for opinions, dad jokes, and bad jokes. As we watch and review sci-fi and fantasy films from the classics of yesteryear to the new favorites of today. Today we are going to be talking about a very special person. Everyone knows about him. He's the ultimate Everyone knows about him. Everyone fears him. He's ultimate, like, absolutely wonderful haircut. He's got big old chest with a star amulet on it. I, th- I think you're mistaken. Everyone knows who this guy is. I don't think everybody knows who this guy is. Is the Golem. Oh, that's great. You know, he was great in Lord of the Rings, and it was really interesting <laughs> to hear about his past. Oh, that's... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Gollum. But right now, we're hearing about his past now. That's Gollum, this not is... Golem. So, guys, don't pronounce it like Gollum. It's Golem. Yeah. So what's the name of the movie? This is The Golem, How He Came Into the World. Uh, can, are you going to try to pronounce it in German, or you want me to try it? Um, sure. Der Golem, Wir in die Welt kam. That's as, that's as good as it gets. Actually, we're, we'll just call it, we'll just call it The Golem or Der Golem. How about that? Yeah. Okay. So, do you want me to go over just a little bit about this movie? Um, just a little bit of, of, of why anybody should even care about it or even know what it is. So first off, the movie's called Der Golem or The Golem, and it's not even the first one in its series. It's actually a prequel to a movie called The Golem that came out in 1915. Now, this, but it's lost. It's been lost. If somebody finds it and gets, gets it restored, that'll be amazing because then we'll get to see. But honestly, this is the one most people know about when, you know, when they think of a, a, a an silent golem movie from the early age of cinema so this came from so there's two negatives there's like two versions of this movie there's like the original well now there's the a version the a version which is closer to the original and the b version so they took those negatives and they used mostly a version a little bit of the b version and they turned it into um trying closely to follow what it is supposed to be However, we don't have the original copy, so... Right, so is it, isn't it... So does that mean it's kind of a hybrid film? Oh, a lot of these silent movies are kind of hybrid films. They take a little bit from this and a little bit from that, because that's all we have. At least it exists. Yeah, we need to just be thankful it exists, and we don't have the original because film breaks down. Uh, unlike paper and clay and other materials, it does break down. It's, it's got... It's used to be made of silver nitrate. They used to have silver... But it, the material in is, they call it celluloid. And celluloid, I guess, comes from cellulose, which is, isn't that like a plant material? So, and you know, plant, it does break down and it will, it will, 
I mean, the stuff they use now is is way better in in terms is of metal. Yeah, yeah. Also, they have uh, we do digital a lot, and they're uh, even when they do traditional film now. I am I'm I, don't quote me on this, but I'll bet you that they do it in such a way that it's it doesn't break down um, like the old used to. I mean, you know, so we have newer technology. Yeah. So this movie is a prequel to movies that like we don't have any of them yet. No. Like not at all. We only have the prequel. Right, right. There was there was the Golem, which is a movie that came before this in 1915, and there was a short comedy movie called The Golem and the Dancing Girl, and that came out in 1917. The the actor Paul Wegener, which Paul Wegener directed the Golem movies, and he starred as the Golem. Um, he's got a very interesting face, which we'll talk about. Um, but he 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 put the Golem makeup in the little short comedy in order to scare a young lady with whom he is in love. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a goof. I, I guess that sounds like a goof. This movie's not a goof. It is, it's serious. And uh, it's it's got a really great story to tell. But you gotta love that face, man. Oh, absolutely. He's, his famous wide-eyed yes. face. It's very expressive, which I, I like that. One thing to, to talk about, uh, before we go into what what is a golem in the first place, which we'll get into, I'm sure, probably either if you want to do it before the plot or after, it's up to you, but we could do it before the plot, so that kind of gives an idea. Yeah. So first off, a golem is a being in Jewish folklore created from clay. It's basically uh, life from uh, non-life, uh, something that's unliving to something that's living. The The main thing with the, with the golem is... Uh, I think it comes from a Jewish word meaning uh, something about clay or non-living clay or something like that. Don't quote me on that. Because it's made out of clay. Of course, of course. Now, the thing about the golem is I don't know. I, the only real bit of uh, info I know I used to know about the golem was from this movie. And I, and, I, and honestly, I'll tell you, my first uh, connection with the golem was in these books, these old books about old uh, horror movies. And they showed a still from the golem. And I was like, "What is that? That's it was. It was almost mysterious, so mysterious and creepy because that's all we had. That's all I could find. And I never saw the movie until much later. Um, I knew a little bit about it, but thank you to you know public domain and YouTube for getting it out there. It, by the way, it's on YouTube. Um, yeah. You can look it up and you can see it in all its glory. Uh, I found a couple different versions, and the one I looked at was really you know it's it's very high quality. So. You know, I can't go into too much detail to the to a golem as far as the real Jewish folklore, but the but we definitely know basically what it is. And it's in D and D, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, there's I uh, you know like there's a bunch of different golems. Basically, a non living creature. Um, they would have one called a flesh golem, which was made out of cut up parts. A non living creature made alive. Wow, that sounds really familiar. Maybe maybe Frankenstein's monster would kind of be a golem is that a little, yeah. bit, of a, a little bit of a stretch this is, so this is where they got the idea was the golem Me, of... well i would say no because because frankenstein the book frankenstein came out in eight the mid 18 1817 18 really in the 1800s so much much earlier but and of course we did that last episode so did, go watch that one go listen yeah go listen to that one go watch that one man or listen to it <laughs> <laughs> right uh, I'm going to get you on board with how to think of this stuff. But okay, so the thing about the thing about that is 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 that was just a little short though. We we are when we get into the 30s uh and the 40s, we're really going to see a lot more Frankenstein 
uh, Frankenstein's monster, I'm sorry, or Frankenstein, quote, movies, um, you know, through the Universal series, and those are, are going to be what people really remember when they remember Frankenstein. But anyway, the, the, there is a connection between this movie and Frankenstein, other than the obvious, and that's uh, photographer or cinematographer Carl Freund. Uh, he went on to work on the 1930s classic Universal horror films later. So that this that kind of dark, kind of uh, very moody style that I guess he kind of got into when he was doing um, work in this in this style, which we'll talk about what that is. Um, I guess he used that later. Uh, you know, and, and I think of the Universal Monster movies as kind of a successor to the these kinds of early, quote, horror movies. But they didn't think of them as, as horror. They just thought of them as, as, you know, dark and interesting and mysterious and fantastical. They didn't really label them with horror, I think, at the, at the time. That wasn't really a label. Because um, after all, they didn't know of the much more spooky horror films that are going to come out later. Right, right. And, and, and That really defined the genre as something that it originally wasn't. Well, it was these movies were interesting and, and spooky, uh, but the, the word horror, I think, gets a bad rap, probably because of the movies that came later, um, you know, from the late... Yeah, th- probably should call those terror movies. That's a I, better I name. I think horror is still okay, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's the genre. They just make you, like, Ooh, spooky. Yeah, exactly. Like, but it, they make you jump with fear. It came. It, it well, a, a, lot, a lot of them don't really make you. I, when I watch these, I'm, they don't make me afraid. I just watch and, and and I I watch for the acting and the and the and the cinematography and the, and the spookiness and the makeup, um and and the heightened you know the music and the heightened um uh, uh way that they film everything you know and, you know the, the the looks of fear in people's faces. It's just it's it's all it's all a it's all a play. It, I I think that. Later, maybe in the late 60s and then 70s and 80s, it started getting more about, you know, the gore aspects and things like that. But during, but this, this was more about mood and more about, you know, uh, um, you know, someone's eyes and how they're looking out at you. Okay, so... So this is yeah. the good stuff. But let's get out of semantics. Yeah, Let's yeah. go into what this movie is. Right, okay. The plot. Well, plot, can, plot, can we... <laughs> plot, plot, plot. Can we do something first? Can we? Yeah. Okay. We'll talk. Like I said, um, the it was directed by Paul Wegener. He plays the um, the golem, um, uh, Carl B- uh, Bise or Bose uh, is also the co-director. Um, is, and he's German. Oh, right. This movie is German. Yes. We didn't say so. This is German. But the thing that we're, the, 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 <laughs> we're we're mixing up today. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it is a German-made film, but when you watch it. Uh, the 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 text is actually there's a little trans there's translations down at the bottom of the text that we watched so you won't have any problem with that um, if you're if you're watching it on YouTube what I can tell you about this is like you said German but it was in a particular style called German expressionism I know that sounds like like an art term it is this is art so the thing unfortunately was- it died out um, well like pretty <laughs> pretty soon after that. Well, um, no. well, let's 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 put let's put, Around that let's put it this way. Um, here's what I can tell you: is during the time that these films were being made, and there was a lot of different variety of films. They weren't all films that came from Germany was German expressionism type films. That's not true. Um, but but during the time that people were making films, it was a very artistic time for Germany. It was during from 1918 
um, which again was about eight years after, um, uh, eight years after we're talking about eight years after these the previous movies that we talked about last episode, and uh, it was nineteen eighteen to, to nineteen thirty three, and if you remember, you know, after that time frame, that's that's when you started. You know, from the mid to late 30s, that's when you get Adolf Hitler in the Third Reich. And that's when uh, they would basically take a, a lot of the artists and people that were actually doing a lot of this stuff, they were silenced or they, you know, they brought them in and tried to make them uh, make Nazi movies or pro-Nazi movies. But let's go back and talk about this. During the time that this was, uh, it wasn't called this at the time, but it was called, uh, we, we officially, as historians, we call it Weimar, or Weimar, Weimar, Germany. And it was, actually, I was interested to find this out. They were a constitutional republic? And I, and I thought about it. I said, that's what America is. So they had a parliament. They had voting. They had representatives in that parliament, which ours would be Congress, but they had a parliament. So they had voting and rights and representatives and taxation, all these different things. And then... then so you didn't expect that they had rights? No, no. I, I, <laughs> well, in order for... In order for... In order for... You know, what I'm saying is I expected it to be kind of a lesser version or like a more of a socialist kind of republic. And then here comes, you know, Adolf Hitler. Um, what I was talking about is, is it was interesting that it was like the opposite of Nazi Germany, and that, you know, it, it was it was far away from, it wasn't close to it at all. So it's very interesting that that, that whole switch happened. Um, it, and again, that's a whole other story. But the thing that I'm trying to look at is it must have been a very interesting time to make movies uh, in German cinema because they were able to express themselves uh, and, and really do just about anything that they wanted to do. Uh, you know, and, and, and the thing is, I think under certain governments you just can't express yourself creatively um you've got you know the heavy hand overused you know with propaganda and all this nonsense um pushing down and, and going well if you make anything at all creative it, it can't you know they're going to blame you and say it says something bad about the government but the the real the real thing is that some of these movies were and this is good because some of the movies we're going to go forward and talk about to have the, our german expressionism or german expressionist and some of the things that are in German expressionism are, um, and you, and you, you haven't even seen all the other movies that we're going to go into, uh, with yeah. William, but you are going to totally agree with me uh, on some of these things. Um, things like, uh, uh, let's say, uh, they didn't have really good budgets, right? In the early ones. So they did it with set design. Uh, wildly non-realistic, geometrically absurd angles, along with designs painted on walls and floors to represent lights, shadows, and objects. Um, the plots often dealt with madness. Okay. Insanity. Oh, yes, please. Betrayal and other intellect, quote, intellectual topics triggered by the experiences of World War One. right? Which nowadays we wouldn't see very much often of. This is, this is the good stuff we're digging into. We see a lot of now. Go see this with your kids sometime. <laughs> now, yeah, actually, well, let's put it this way. I don't know if this is absolutely kid friendly. I would say it's it's PG thirteen because it does have. A, I will tell you, uh, spoiler alert: there is a scene where a guy um, is thrown, uh, just straight up thrown from a building, and you don't see it. You don't see him like hit the ground. I don't think, but it's it's a probably a dummy, yeah. dummy shot. But well, he does. You a, do see him hit. Oh, uh, you do. Hit the ground. It's a murder. It's a straight up murder. Yeah, it's a straight up murder. 
he he friggin' died. Right. Okay. Two, <laughs> yeah, he friggin' died. Two uh two genres that came later that were influenced by expressionism uh were ho- horror films and film noir. You know, like those dark movies where you've got the you know uh, they talk to themselves. Oh, the, oh, the, the director, the, the detective, he's like, I it was a cold and stormy evening, and I was just coming in to my office, and uh, and there she was, this this dame in a red dress, and she looked like trouble. And then she usually is, and and she's cut. She's, she's she's hiding something. Often is, and there's a murder. Well, that's you know all those different kind of things. Um, you know, honestly, a lot of the silent movies moving into this to the quote talkies or the the sound movies that that were you know like uh, um, we're gonna watch one called uh, it's called Phantom of the Opera. Everybody knows about the musical, but that's from Lon Chaney. Uh, was in that. Um, it's a that, sneak that, peek. That was an early Universal Studios movie, and so that was very influenced by expressionism. Uh, just dark, moody, uh, interesting, uh, psychological. Uh, the, all those things are interesting. There's very dis- there uh, in German expressions they use extreme distortions in expression to show an inner emotional reality rather than what was on the surface. So it's very surreal and and you know and 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 kind of there's nightmarish like in some some of the things so and i think that's honestly that's kind of awesome the thing is this is an a, a longer movie too which the other two movies we, we that were earlier and i think that they could not really produce anything very long so there you go also oh, oh uh when, yeah so that is the background a lot of the directors and cameramen uh the reason why that the, the early horror movies of the 30s and 40s have that the kind of that look to it is because that when Nazi when the Nazi uh, party started gaining power they went nope and they just yeeted right out of uh, Germany and came to America so and that, yeah that, that that's I think you probably already figured that out so um, what I can tell you yeah it's okay the, the golem was played by Paul Wegener uh, and let's see who, who who was who was the other um, Oh, uh, is it, yeah. Uh, there is a character named Rabbi Lowe, and he's like he's one of the main characters. Albert, Albert he's the main character. Albert Steinruck played Rabbi Lowe. Um, the Miriam or, or Mirjam or whatever her name is that's Rabbi Lowe's daughter, and she was played by Lida uh, Lida uh, Salmanova, and she was the wife of uh, Paul Wegener, and she was in movies uh, not that much. She doesn't she doesn't have a real big list of movies that she was in. She was only like really working in movies for maybe 10 years or so. Um, okay. And then you've got Ernst Deutsch was, was Dr. Lowe's, sorry, <laughs> Rabbi Lowe's assistant. Uh, and then the Squire Florian, uh, was Lothar Muthel. Uh, I'm trying not to mess these names up. Um, yeah, of course you're going to mess them up. And then, uh, Otto, it's German. Otto Geber was the emperor or the Kaiser. Um, Hans Sturm was Rabbi Jehuda. So, and so, and some of these other characters, they don't get as much, uh, screen time as the Golem, Rabbi Lowe, Miriam, uh, uh, Rabbi Lowe's assistant and, the, uh, the knight, Florian. They, they all get a little bit more, um, screen time than anybody else. So we'll... So lots of un... Unappreciated people out here. I think they're pretty... But we're appreciating we're, them. They're, they're good. They're, unapp- they're unappreciated by a lot of... I think more mainstream crowd person one. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, hey, here's a shout out to that one extra in the background. No, there's a lot of extras uh, 
Hey, shout out to the extras that had the ceiling fall on them later in a scene. Do you remember in the, when the ceiling was falling down? Uh, yeah, the, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves just a little bit. So before we get ahead of ourselves yeah. even further, let's go into the delicious plot yummy, yummy. of this delicious movie and this delicious golem. Okay, <laughs> it's a go- it's a it's a golem stew. All right, so his, his delicious hair, his his, his, his his good flat hair, his hair look just okay. We'll talk about this when we get that get to this part. But I have a comments on his hair when we get to that point, so you can ask me what I think. All right, so I will, um, and there's some things in here I may may come out and mention, um, you know, a little bit of a uh, little bit of trivia on when we get to them. But mostly, I will I'll let you handle the plot, tackle the plot, and we'll just talk about each point as we as we go forward. Yeah. So we start out, and this movie is divided into chapters. I don't know how many there are. Um, is five? there like eight? No, I thought there was five. Seven or six. I thought it was five. Somewhere around there. Right. At least four. <laughs> that's all I got uh, in my notes. But that's fine. So, the movie starts out with a wonderful picture. It's of a landscape that we obviously can't show here. But it's pretty cool. You can see the stars are aligning. So, so why why are they showing where is this set? This is uh, in the Jewish ghetto or an area where people are kept and, and you know you know it, it, uh, in media, medieval Prague. Medieval Prague was probably amazing. <laughs> probably amazing. So it, Prague Prague is in Czechoslovakia, I'm believing. Um, and so that that is in that is in Eastern Europe. Okay. So why did it show the stars at the very beginning with the silhouette of the city? Because this whole thing starts in the stars, right? Yeah. So it's a very important plot detail that the stars are aligning here. And so as we figure out by the title card at the very beginning where it starts out, it says in German, but translated for us here, the stars reveal to the revered Rabbi Lowe that the Jewish community is threatened by severe harm. So the stars are predicting doom, not the game, of course. Right, not the game. But he's reading, like, almost like astrology, because they talks about, you know, the you know this the house of Saturn and Mars and, and, and Uranus and stuff like that. He talks about these different things that are, that are aligning to bring... It almost reminds me of, like, the wise men from the Bible, where they're, like, following a star. Maybe. But you don't get to see very much Christianity in this, unfortunately. Well, and the Christianity that you do see is it's, it's very is as you'll as you'll probably realize is very threatened by the Jews at the time. There is a part that's coming up where they there's a proclamation and there's a sheet of paper that the that the the uh, the emperor signs and yikes is all I can say when you, when you understand what yeah. this document says it's like yikes. Rabbi Lowe is in this scene, and he's looking up in his telescope. So this is at the top of the tower of his house. He's like a big old guy, and he's got a big old house, and it's got a tower on it. A very important tower. I love his house, though. It's really strange. Perfect looking. for throwing people off of, but oh, we're getting ahead no, of ourselves. no, no. <laughs> then we cut to downstairs. Or fade. I don't remember. Yeah. So there's... He has an assistant, and he has a daughter. 
of course, named M- Miriam. Miriam is good, yeah. Yeah. So they're both talking about something, probably being like, what is he seeing? Or something. Who knows? We don't have a title card for that. We don't have a title card for everything, folks. That's how life is. Yeah. You, don't expect a title card for every circumstance. Right. Anyway. You have to interpret it by people's faces and, and, and their actions. So he comes down the stairs after seeing it and recording it in his book, his big old book that he has. Very important book, as we'll see later. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love his book. It's very mystical. So he comes down the stairs and then they come to him probably being all like, what did you see? So he's comes and he's like, there's disaster among the stars. We need to warn Rabbi Jehuda, which is yes, very important. Yeah, I think he's. I think Rabbi Jehuda is like he's he's kind of well known as being like a leader in in the Jewish community, and he probably I mean, was. I mean, there's there's a part where the Rabbi Jehuda he says that that Rabbi Lowe is the heart incarnate of the Jewish people. So he's like, they really look up to him and they're like, you know, he's like, he's like a wise individual. You know, if anybody is going to, if anybody's going to represent them and be inspirational, it's going to be him. Because as you'll see later. So the next in the plot, they like, they leave his house, they go to Rabbi Jehuda. And he is there, you know, he's reading by candlelight at his table. They come over and he tells them the news. And then, like, they go to the elders to pray at the temple because they have to pray about the disaster. They're very distraught. Very distressed. They've got their fists and they're... They're beating beating their their chests. Their chests. And they're crying out. if 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 you're familiar with biblical text, there's a lot of parts where they talk about beating of chests. They talk about... You know, you put sack, sackcloth and ashes or whatever. It's like it's like you're basically debasing yourself. Going, this is so horrible. What shall we do? But the very the very next day, though, what happens? So the king writes a decree that we spoke of, and it's in the news that they're going to force the Jews out at full moon because of the black magic they've thought of them doing. Not only that, they said in there. I remember they said number one, Jews killed our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm like, uh. uh not all of them. Come on. This was a common thing in medieval times is, uh, for them to blame Jew. It was, a, it was a racist thing to blame all Jews for the death of one man. And I mean, this was um, this was a German film. Fortunately, it was probably before Hitler came. But if it, it was, was yes. then that would be even more spooky. That is that, that is kind of a yikes subject. But the interesting thing about this is he is they say that that was a bad rap that they got. It said in the document that they don't oh they don't participate in our Christian festivals. I was like, duh. How many people how many Jewish people do you know that go, Hey, I'm not gonna go celebrate Hanukkah. I'm going to go hang out with my Christian friends and do, do with Jesus and Santa Claus and reindeer and presents. I mean, you know, maybe some, but of course they wouldn't go to their festivities. And then it said that they practice black magic. Which, of which, course, is well exaggerated. Well, one guy does. You know, if you were just walking by and looking into his window and going, okay, he's got magic sigils on the ground. And he's and and there's some spooky nonsense happening. And then, spoiler alert, he's making you know bringing a dead thing to come back to life. What would you say? I'm I'm not saying he's doing black magic, but he, it's really on the edge. It's very sus, as you kids would say. Yeah, they don't care at all about the Jews, and neither does the squire. 
And so the squire guy they send out over to the Jews to Rabbi Love, send him the news, and he's riding on horseback all the way there. So meanwhile, Love is making plans for Dergolem. Now wait, you missed you missed one set, one one part on there that was interesting. So he goes to Jehuda, and Jehuda goes, "Hey, we need to go talk to Rabbi Low, you know, about this." Because he's a really great guy. He's the he's the, he's an inspirational figure in our community. And as they're going over to his house, Miriam sees Florian out the window, and Florian, I guess, is the hot dude to her. And which, trust me, which influences the movie a lot. So she sees him. It's like, ooh, he's hot. I don't know. Yeah. Find, finds him handsome. So he made his plans for the golem. So the plan is that the golem, he's a big old chunky dude. He's going to, he's going to, um, whatever comes of the star's disaster, he's going to protect from whatever monsters come their way, whatever Pragians come their way. He will have their backs. So he's making these plans and he's been hiding away these plans because of course they're secret. If you've ever had a secret before, cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's really difficult to keep a secret. What was that thing that, that we have said before? Two men can keep a secret if one of them's dead? Uh, is three men could keep a secret if two are dead. Oh, there, there you go. Thank you. So, and what happens, he, he, makes, he makes the clay statue. He's doing it all by himself, though. And the statue's heavy, which we'll get into where he needs help. But Florian uh, comes back. Um, okay, so so and Florian's kind of arrogant, and he is attracted to Miriam, right? And the, and did you notice that the assistant, the assistant guy, kind of like, kind of likes Miriam too? Yeah, so it's a love triangle. Pretty cool. A little bit, and that does cause. A problem later on in, in the in the movie, um, but we're so always what, foreshadowing everything in this podcast. Of course not. So, <laughs> so, 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 so Rabbi um, Low, Rabbi Low says to Florin, he goes, "Hey, remind you know, does the Emperor remember that I predicted disasters for him and I did his horoscope, and I would like to have a meeting with him." So, and Florian uh, flirts with Miriam, and then he leaves. Um, that's what yeah. He's the Once he told the going. news, of course, we're jumping all around the place, forgetting things. Yeah, yeah, and and um, what happens when Florian comes back later because he brings news after talking to the emperor? Hmm. No, oh, it uh, it's uh, he he wants Rabbi Low to attend the Rose Festival at the palace, and uh, he kind of has a secret quote romantic moment with Miriam uh, while the rabbi talks to the assistant. He goes, hey, uh, assistant guy, I secretly created the golem. I need your help to animate it. It's really an elaborate procedure. And that's where it, that's where it really gets cool. When the, I, I liked the procedure. Yeah, was, but of course we definitely scary. know that they both love each other to the ultimateness, that they will literally go and hug each other for however long it takes to carry a golem like right, exactly. <laughs> go go test it out go find a golem go carry I, it around for a couple seconds see how long it takes yeah you go find a golem you know if you think you think a golem is so you know it's not a big deal wait till you have to pick one up so but the thing is though i think you're i think you're you're wrong about their relationship the thing is i think he's just into her and because she ever because of her appearance 
but honestly, he doesn't really like the Jews too much. It's just he was like, well, this one's cute. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of like, so he would only be into in in the situation just to you know just to smooch and all that kind of nonsense. Um, he'd just be into into her for that. It wouldn't be that you know what would happen eventually if he's like, oh, she's like, oh, I'm I'm you know let's get married and and he's like, oh, uh, hey I hey gotta go. I mean, I don't think he's really serious. Uh, I don't think I don't think the assistant guy has a chance with her either. It's just kind of. There's lots of tragedy coming for these people. Okay, so do you want to get to the to the procedure? Yes. The summoning spell. You want to get into some D and you want to get some some heavy metal D and D D and D bonkers scene. This scene totally reminded me. This of, has uh, all the good special effects, probably. Yeah. So it starts out with he makes a circle, he waves around. So Star of David, which is a s- peculiar shape, is very important. In this story. So it's been shown in a shot over the golem. And he waves it around. And stuff is like the key of Solomon. Is what's needed to use the spell. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what they're doing. So if you don't know. There is a certain spirit that they are summoning. In, because how on earth do we put a golem to life? Because we don't know how to do it. We don't know what to put on the scroll to put into this golem. So what they're doing is they're summoning Astaroth. Astaroth. Yeah, <laughs> oh boy, it's, it's Astaroth. It's not. It's not Sephiroth. It's Astaroth. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if Rabbi Lowe was in Kingdom Hearts, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Astaroth in demonology is the great Duke of Hell in the first hierarchy with Beelzebub and Lucifer. He's part of the evil Trinity. But he's probably named after a near eastern goddess called Astarte, which actually is in the Bible. So there are some old occult grimoires or spell books that Astaroth's name is in. There's also he's also connected to uh, he's associated with uh, the Klipoth, Klipoth, which are which are adver- evil forces in. Kabbalah or Kabbalistic beliefs. Kabbalah is is a Jewish mysticism like side thing. So that's why this is connected to that. Um, you mentioned the key of Solomon. Well, supposedly Solomon in in the, in these legends, Solomon asked God for all the wisdom in the world, and God goes, "Okay." And some of that wisdom involved being able to summon spirits, angels, demons, whatever, and command them to do whatever you want them to do. And you would use this summoning circle along with the Star of David, to do it. So in this case, what they needed was the word of life. So what they do is he waves it around, and he begs them, come here, Astroth, and tell us the word. Tell us the word. Oh, yeah. And so then there's a big, like, fire all around, which, in my opinion, I don't know exactly how it was done, but I think it was probably there were pits where they could put the fire, and then they yeah. set fires in the pits to make it turn to a circle. But it probably wasn't that, because you couldn't see what uh, was ignited with the fire. So what do you think? Or the, I, I'm thinking the floor, maybe the floor was covered, those little parts in the circle, because I couldn't see where the circle was, and then all of a sudden I do. So maybe there was there was some stone over that, I don't know. Um, all I know is it was... Uh, it was pretty it's just, cool. It's pretty cool, you know, because you're looking at it going... These are people that don't have a lot of money, and they're just using ingenuity and artistry 
to to do this. And after all, um, this is pretty cool. I mean, they thought that uh, the stuff in 1902, Trip to the Moon, last episode was pretty cool. This is a decade after that. This is 1920, yeah. man. It's not as it's not as crazy though. It's very subtle though. Although uh, the face of, well, I guess, I, Astaroth with the smoke coming out, I was just watching that going. I was thinking of it of, of that he was vaping. <laughs> okay, you're gonna have to cut that out. Cut this out. I'm not gonna cut that out. He looked like he was vaping, like smoke was billowing from his mouth. So anyway, go ahead. So then there's fireballs dangling from strings. Of course we can see it's strings, but it was pretty cool for the time. They're like fire bouncing around fireballs. So then Astroth comes out and he is a face. He's literally just a floating half head that's his face. And so he comes over, and he's, like, begging him, and then he finally whispers the name with, like, having it overlaid over the background is pretty cool. Pretty good effects. All right, so, so are you going to say what the word is, or is that just going to curse the, is that going to curse the podcast? It's so, pro- It probably would curse the podcast. And then second of all, I don't know how I can pronounce it, because right. it's literally just words that <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that word. There's like an R looking thing, but it's not an R. It's like half. It's probably for the best. I think it's for the, for the best. Because if you knew the magic word, I mean, and you know, and you just decided to do a little home experiment on that, who knows what you might bring to life? Yeah, you could bring to life your chemistry class volcano and turn into a living being. A, a volcano golem. Or Volcan- what's that, what's vol- golem. That, what's that kinetic sand? Don't you? Don't we have kinetic sand that your plays <laughs> with some? Or your sister plays with, yeah, that uh, a creature made out of kinetic sand. Oh, oh, now we're getting into now we're getting into Marvel territory. Yeah. So the golem finally awakens with his beautiful sculpted, as we've seen, beautifulness that is pretty cool. Like how they transitioned from an object to a human while still making it seem like an object and as stiff as you would think a golem is. So it's probably like a suit. That he's it wearing. It's, it's it's he's probably got a little bit, you know, got a little bit of, um, you know, kind of making his chest more ba- like more barrel shaped, and his hair especially, his yeah. flat hair that's kind of shaped like Darth Vader, his cap. It does. It does look like a Darth Vader helmet. That's good. Um, it, foreshadowing. Like, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's more machine now than man. So, um, so you had okay. something to say about his hair. I was going to say that it looked like, it definitely looked like when you make a sandcastle and you shape it and it's, and it's got, you know, it, it's, it's, his face is not shaped. Of course, it's, it's, it's got makeup on it and he can do, you do all the expressions and stuff, but the hair is kind of shaped as if it really was sculpted out of clay. And I think that it gives it that, this iconic image. Um, You know, when you think of the golem and you watch this, you're going to be, you know, like, okay, this is a classic creature. Yeah, uh, even though we only this guy is in the minds of everyone to come. Yeah, I think so. Um, also, his he's got little risers on his feet, like his uh, his shoes have uh, lifts on them. I guess is what you call them. And you know, I when I was watching, I I I was thinking of movies to come, like uh, Frankenstein. You know, where uh, Frankenstein's monster has the has the lifts in him to make him like walk. You know, Boris Karloff has these lifts in his feet to make him walk taller. And I that's just what I thought of. So anybody that watches this movie, if you've seen Fra- uh, Frankenstein, the Universal Monster movie, which we're gonna do later, yes, we are, hundred percent. So anyway, that's just what I got from it. So um, 
So if you make a golem and he's supposed to protect everybody, uh, I mean, do you just let your let your quote robot sit around and not do anything? Yeah. What does he do? With, what does he do with the golem though? So he maybe he puts him into the workforce. You know, the first thing you do with <laughs> someone who's been put into the world, a brand new born child who is not like any other sort of human that you know, put him into the workforce and take him out to the grocery store. And 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 have him hold a, a list and hand it to the the grocer, which is what happens um, in this next scene. When chapter three begins, he goes off on an errand where he's walking around all of the streets. Everyone sees him and they're like, "Who's that?" Or not really. They're like scared, extremely are, scared they, and nervous. They, they, they of, are creeped out because the guy has a very severe face, and he's he stiff, and his <laughs> his wide eyed face kind of like. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> he looks like he looks like Dwayne the Rock Johnson had a really bad day. If Dwayne the Rock Johnson was Korean, <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. So, it, but he always has this kind of scowl on his face, like like you know, like with his you know his, his wide eyes and his puckered up lip, his <laughs> his lower lip. Yeah, exactly. But you know, but there's it, not. He has some limited range of emotions that he does, but they definitely show you, they, you definitely read from him. He's a very interesting character. Yeah. So he's going grocery shopping, and he's walking down the stairs. All the children scatter because they're all on the, they're all along the stairs. And so he's walking along Christmas tree. Have a happy holiday. Yeah. Does, does he get a tree? No. No. <laughs> okay. He cuts one. He cuts some logs yeah. at the beginning of no, the scene. No, he does cut logs. And and honestly, I was watching him going, I want a golem. I mean, you know, when this comes time again, right now it's wintertime, but when it comes time to cut grass again, I don't really like doing it. So it would be awesome to have a golem, you know, just have him go cut the grass. And then it, and then I would remove remove the amulet off his chest and put him in the garage. Or he could literally push him along the floor and he'd be the grass. He'd eat the grass. <laughs> just push him along the floor. <laughs> So the golem comes home, and so they're testing out how good he is, so the assistant goes, hey, you see this fireplace in the middle of this living room area? It's a very cool house, very curvy door frames, pretty good set design. So he commands him to, to pull on the fanner, so there's like a dangling a thing it's a, it's that a has a wire on it, and it's so what it does is it fans the fire. So he commands him to do, but he doesn't expect. He's a strong boy. So he is pulling it with so much force that he almost sets fire to the house. Foreshadowing. Again, it is foreshadowing. <laughs> foreshadowing. Then they have to stop him because he's fanning the fire too much. Earlier earlier on, do you remember when he was with the children, though? Yeah. I, let's just say him with children... That comes later too. That they a callback to that him with the children. Anyway, so he's he is a strong boy, and he almost burn he almost burns the house down. Uh, there's some fire issues there. Okay, then what happens? So what happens is then so they're going to the festival that we mentioned earlier, the festival of the roses. That the king has invited him because his magic is really cool, and so he wants to be entertained by um, him at the. Festival of Roses, the Rose Festival. So then, um, he takes his golem, because the golem is a very interesting guy, of course, if you've met him. 
Okay. Then they're going to the festival. Meanwhile, the squire is bribing a guy on the other side of the door. For what reasons other than to let him out to see his beloved girlfriend? Because right, yeah. he'd otherwise not be able to go into there. So he's bribing him with lots of packages of money. Right. So, but when he's, when, uh, does it show what Rabbi Lowe, do they, do they cross cut in between those two things? Because Rabbi Lowe is, is, uh, it's like interjected, which is very cool. Okay. How yeah. they can have things, multiple things going on in a story at the same time. Movies have progressed. That's very common. Yeah, now. we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So when he, uh, so uh, what is Rabbi Lowe is at the is at the Rose Festival. So they arrive. Everyone is dancing. There are trumpeters trumpeting. The 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 people there are kind of creeped out, but interested at the golem. They're like. He's they're weirded out, but they think they they're secretly intrigued by his appearance, um, and the emperor wants to see some something supernatural. So then, what happens after that was that it's very important for this show that he was about to perform. He was going to show them the Jews, like the old Jews when they were the his, in their the prime time. But the condition was that you could not speak or laugh or make any noises at all. Or else you will be cursed and something terrible will happen. Which in this case was the famous scene of the ceiling falling down. So then you see superposed. They're watching. They're watching. I mean, if you thought he was just going to do a shadow puppet thing, he does. He makes Netflix show up on the wall, man. Yeah. He, 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 I mean, anybody who watches this would be like, you are amazing. How did you do that? Yeah, how did he do it? What do you think? I, how the character did it? Uh, magic. How he did it in the thing is, is they is they used uh you know film, uh film layered on top of itself, and, and which is something that George Melies did back in even 1901. So this was a common thing that they could do, and it just was very done very well. The thing that made everybody uh, that react was, and I, I'm not fully understanding why. I guess it's it's just a thing of culture. But it's a character named Ahasuerus, the Wandering Jew. I know about the Wandering Jew, but I don't know why they would have the Wandering Jew in his history. Because the Wandering Jew is a mystical figure. It's basically a Jewish person around the time of Jesus. He uh, made fun of Jesus or something while Jesus was going toward the cross or something. And he was cursed to be immortal. So he would never die. So I don't understand why, you know, why the, the Wandering Jew would be in the history of, of the Jews. Because it's more of a, of a, I think it's more of an invention of non-Jewish people. I don't know why they laughed. I mean, he he's a yeah, he's a but he's a funny man. I guess they well, found he, something funny about him. So I, as I the Jews no are walking, what. the camels are going by. He appears. One guy goes, "Hey, that looks kind of funny." That made everyone laugh. And then the king laughs. Everyone laughs. And then the warranty is voided, and it appears that the wall is coming down, which is very interesting effectually yes and uh who else to come to the rescue but the golem his own, his own personal superhero robot gigantor i mean i mean golem he comes right <laughs> he comes he comes right in and i mean very superman of him super minch he comes in and holds the roof up and it's a very interesting shot and basically the you know the emperor in gratitude he goes you know uh i changed my mind i pardon you guys you're allowed to stay okay then what happens okay so what next happens is that he holds up the roof in a very famous scene of course we can't show it but we can definitely talk about the plot 
because that's what we're doing right now. We'll talk about the effects right. later in more detail, yeah. the shots and stuff. Rabbi Lowe and the Golem go back, but this is already. Let's see. I'm not certain, but isn't is Florian? Would is Florian still at the house? Yeah. So he went to the house and he snuck over to the house because he wanted to. And so they come back with the golem, but then they see the golem acting erratically. You know, he's even more vicious than he was before. And so they're freaking out. They deactivate him. And then... Well, they try to, don't they? Well, they do. They do. And so it's because of Astaroth. You see, of course he still exists. And because of the stars being in the way that it is, that he could summon the golem in the first place with the Solomon key and with Astaroth, the word of life. Well, Aster- Astaroth will, will take over and possess the golem. So that's what he's starting to do right now. And so he's not the way it was. Like, he's halfway Astaroth, basically. They deactivate him because, of course, he could... Of course, Astaroth is probably evil, and he's going to attack everyone. So he doesn't want to die. Yeah. He deactivates them. But then the assistant over here, he comes in. He sees them two. They're kissing. They're in the bed. And he's go, what the heck is going on here? No, before before that, before that, basically they're they're having they're, first off they're having a celebration down in, in the streets because of the festival of roses. Well, but not just that. They're like they're they're celebrating the fact that that the Jews are saved. They're like, yay, you know, Rabbi Lo saved us by going to see the king. Yeah, and because he went to see the king, the king went. You know what? Your magic is really great. You saved us. From the palace falling on us, so we're going to not have you die. Yeah, so we're jumping around a lot here, but that's what happened. Rabbi Lowe says to the assistant, hey, come down and join the celebration. He goes, I will. I'll just go get your daughter. And then he goes upstairs. And then he sees them two kissing and flirting and stuff and whatever they did while they were gone. He hears them. He hears them behind behind the door. And they and they they're like, uh oh, okay, I'll leave first, and then you leave after me. You know, they're trying to find a way to cover this whole thing up. And then he's like, really, like really ticked off at this. And he's he goes over to the golem, he puts him back on, and he goes and tells him to grab Florian and to move him out of the house forcibly. Uh, he, but he does. however, this is not the golem here. He moves him out of the top of the house, so he does... He, <laughs> he does breaks amazing. down the door instead, takes him, runs him all the way up the stairs, because Astaroth is Astaroth, and he does right. whatever Astaroth does, and yeah. he throws him off the roof. Yeah, and uh, how does the assistant and Miriam take it? They, they just, they think it's great, right? <laughs> no, they're horrified, yeah. absolutely horrified, and they try to run, and uh, here comes the fire. So the house is on fire because of all the ruin that the golem is causing. And he's walking around. He's destroying everything he can find. He's got Miriam taken by the hair. Must be really painful. It's painful oh it was, yeah. as it would be to drag him around and use him as a, uh, to mow the lawn. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, exactly. He's, it was ta- he's taking it out on his creators. And he's captured Miriam. He's going around. And so... And so Rabbi Lowe is going to make a spell in order to remove Astaroth from the golem and deactivate him once and for all. So everyone in the temple that we heard of before they're praying at, they're praying at it again because they see the golem and the golem is scary, spooky, and 
they're like praying. And so he goes over to them and he interrupts them and he says, he tells them that the golem is there and that he's destroying everyone. And so everyone is heading out to go stop the golem. So they're all like really scared. They go over to Low and he's like, yeah, you need to stop this. And so he goes over and he performs the spell. He performs the spell to stop the fire. He actually makes the fire go away, which this guy is just boss. Yeah, and he removes Astroth from the golem. You know, Cliff notes here. <laughs> well, uh, the, gole- the golem, he, he stops doing the destruction and he leaves Miriam and he goes toward the gate and breaks that sucker open and then there's children. And so he's walking out of the place because he has no purpose and he just dropped, he dropped his cap, his captive and went away. All the, all the kids run away from him except for one that he picks up. Which this does remind me of, Fra- of Frankenstein. Do you remember the scene? Uh, oh yeah, the scene it? at the end or no, near the, the end. There's a scene. There's a, it's in the middle. There's a scene in on Frankenstein where there's a little girl that he. This is partially that got censored out, I think. But he uh he has a little girl. You know, she's saying, "Oh, I th- I'm throwing the, the I'm throwing the flowers into the river," and he's like, "Oh, I'll do that too." Oh, you're a pretty flower, little girl. Bloink, and yeets her into the river too. And so, so she drowns. Yeah, exactly. But in this one, um, instead he just like he's still there. He doesn't have Astroth. He's just staring. So the girl instead takes out the amulet in order to inspect it. And so then he falls to the floor. All the children are coming to sit on him because that's what you do to somebody who just fell on the floor is sit on them. They're sit they're a couch. Him. He's a human couch now, yeah. or a clay couch. So well, it kind of shows that he's an object now if that makes sense to me <laughs> he is an object but right. unfortunately um he will be remembered in our hearts this is the death of the golem so then lo goes to the person who isn't an object who's miriam and she's been captured she's unconscious and so he wakes her up yeah he, wa- he wakes her up and <laughs> take, take, he, he takes her home and uh it's kind of awkward because the assistant comes in and says, oh, the Jews are waiting to, by the gate to, you know, give you big props and big ups for doing this whole saving the day. He goes, and the assistant goes to Miriam and goes, I'm never going to tell anybody about your little tete-a-tete, your forbidden affair with Florian, and uh, will you forgive me for my act? And then uh, the Jews get the golem, rejoice and pray, and they bring him back in, and Star of David. The Star of David comes again. Yeah. And so that's end of the scene and the movie so that was der golem cliff notes version so we talked about the entire plot awkwardly and we just stood here and talked about the plots plot was really cool yeah that was that was that was fun so um yeah I guess we haven't really talked about a plot extensively before because, after all, um, this was when plots were getting extensive, first of all. Because, after all, the first thing we were watching was, like, 15 minutes long. Now this is, like, an hour 15 Yeah, this long. is fine. So, um, okay, how did people take it when it came out in 1920? Well, in Germany, it did really awesome. Everyone was spooked. Everyone was like, this is... The absolute bomb. Go watch this. Yeah, this it's, is it's sold spooky. Out. This has cool magic. This is unbelievable for the time. So as fundamental as Trip to the Moon was, this was another fundamental one of the 1920s versus the 1900s. Oh, yeah. The, 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 they're, just get ready because there's a lot more movies in the 1920s that are very classic coming, and we'll, we'll, we'll go into those. So, okay. So the film sold out at the Berlin premiere um, on October 29th, 1920, it played to full theaters for two months 
straight. And, and there's some movies that came out that we know have done that in America. I think Titanic was doing like full theaters for weeks upon weeks. So um, once it came into New York City in 1921 at the Criterion Theater, it was packed houses. It was the longest running movie in the same theater that year. It ran for 16 consecutive weeks in the theater. Okay. And so even in the summer when it was really hot, people were in there watching it uh, on a daily basis, multiple times a day. So because this was really popular, this was the best thing. You've got to totally yeah, see nobody this. Nobody had ever seen anything like this uh, before. Um, the only other thing that they could com com uh, compare it to um, was the uh, another movie that we're going to watch, uh, probably the one, next one we will watch if you want to. Uh, it's uh, Robert uh, Vinay's The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. So this one is, it's it's chilling. It's, it's been called Chilling, Visually Dazzling, a story of the supernatural, um, classic of uh, German expressionist cinema. Those are awesome things that... Um, so this is some. So this is um, not the episode we're doing right now. Of course, we're doing. Yes, their goal. Uh, I'm talking about a future. Some of the future things we'll see. So we'll yeah. we'll see some more things uh, in the future. The next couple episodes that will be examples of German expressionism, which you know I a couple of them I had not seen in years, and I was very surprised at how well they hold up. So as far as the special effects, I don't have a lot of information as to how they did what they did, but it does. I think we kind of put the nail on the head that, you know, it's kind of like maybe paper mache or sculpted, some kind of sculpted material for the, for the, for the uh, hair and the clothing is very just clay caked clothing, you know? So it looks, yeah. it's made out of but clay. the main thing that made this movie really cool was that there were actual shots. Now, as far as we know, this is one of the first that could have done this because this is, of course we didn't have this originally, but we've restored it. So there's a ton more that we probably haven't restored. <laughs> We don't know as much as history as we would like, but there was all sorts of shots, wide shots, and there were window shots, which was also something becoming pretty famous. Like, there were shots of landscapes. There was one that there was a cat walking by, which yeah. was popularized by a certain man named... Well, what, what is it? Jackie Jack Chan. A cat walking by. But we'll go. We'll watch those later. We're probably gonna watch Jackie Chan. You wanna watch Jackie Chan's Jackie the Chan. podcast? I. You know what? I would love to. Uh, there are some uh, Jackie Chan movies that we could put in this. As as an aside, there are. I know that this podcast is really focused on science fiction and fantasy, but let me tell you, there's nothing more fantastical than the way Jackie Chan fights. Okay. Yeah. So, um, is there anything else that you would, what, what was your opinion of this? You know, I mean, just, you had never seen anything like this before. You've mostly seen modern stuff. Uh, what did yeah. you, what did you really think about this movie? I thought it was pretty revolutionary for its age. You know, you've got the window shots, you've got all sorts of shots, cool shots, crowd shots, like everything. You've got bassoons. Okay. <laughs> the Rose Fest had bassoons. That's there pretty cool. There was bassoons. I, you know, what I thought of is here, you know, the first two movies that we talked about had very static, non-moving, you know, lock, call it locked off shots. It was like very, we're doing a medium to a long shot and that's all we're doing. And we're, they didn't, they didn't move the camera at all because they didn't have the technology to do so. But now the camera is much more complex. It can move around. It could do a bunch of stuff. And work, yeah. work on the sets more. The sets had to be less flat. I remember, you know, it, it was more curvy, especially Rabbi Love's house. It was 
pretty curvy, pretty curvy the, door the frames. About, the thing they did about the sets is in German expressionism is they is they made them very strange angles. I mean, there's a lot of curves in this in this area here, but if you get to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, you're going to notice a lot of those strange angles. This is making me want to watch this for our next episode. Yeah. <sighs> so, anything else you want to anything else you want to mention before we go? Um, not really, except for one thing, Astaroth. That's pretty Astaroth. funny. Astaroth. Yeah, that's Astaroth. Astaroth. So, Astaroth. Uh, one thing we'll talk about real quick is um, you probably noticed that the first episode that we put out, the sound probably wasn't as good as we're doing here. Uh, we're getting better and better every time. I mean, I'm not an expert with podcasting. I just like movies, and I like talking to my son about movies. If you could pretty much take this whole podcast and say, well, what is it? it well, uh, we both like movies, and we like talking to each other about movies, and we're father and son. I mean, that's pretty much, it sums up the reason why we're doing this. You know, we're doing the, the best we can with the sound. But so far, it has definitely improved. Like, for our first episode, we were in one room with one mic. Now we're in two rooms with two mics, and we are communicating through yes. Zoom is another thing we're doing, which is pretty cool. That is a, a, a hint that I saw online, is when you're doing podcasts, you, you, you can do it through Zoom, so you can be, you know, separated a little bit. It's pretty handy. But also another thing is you hear more different background noises. Like, for instance, you probably hear me shift around in oh, my chair common. a lot. I've, I've, that's I've pretty common. Podcasts and, and I hear some of that. I hear people, like, you know, opening cans of soda, and so it's not that big a deal. As long as they're not, like, gulping it right into the mic, it's not a big deal. So... Yeah, but nowadays we're doing it pretty free flow, and we're going to figure out how to make it better over we do this, probably improve some things, and so far it's pretty great. I mean, we talked about plot for 30 minutes of just plot. That was, so. that was my favorite part, because it really reminded me uh, stuff about the, about the movie, and we could, it's almost like watching it again with you and, and seeing figuring out what you saw in it. So, um, just to let everybody know, that's that there are listeners, that we've got... Uh, about three or four more episodes, probably in the tw- 1920s. Um, some of those are going to be German Expressionists. Some of those are going to be inspired by that. So there's more to come. Make sure to watch those. And also watch our first episode to see where we started and what we're all yeah, about. Subs- you know, make sure you're subscribed so you get notifications when we have new episodes. Give us five stars or on three iTunes, stars. Yeah. Uh, on iTunes, uh, give us four or five stars. You know, Give us a quick little review. Um, if we do, if we do read those, we might actually read some of those on. If they're decent, we might read some of those uh, on future episodes, kind of. And we're also going to have a. We're going to have a website too, so that's going to be pretty cool. So go yep. check that out when we have it up. We'll announce future episodes on the website. We'll also do that via Twitter. Just stay tuned for all that information on that. If you want us to have an Instagram, make sure to say so. We might. Uh, also do Instagram if that's possible. I mean, just post, <laughs> post pictures of us and say we're starting a podcast now. We just put it up. It's cool. Yeah, <laughs> so every day actually, it's the same what picture. We actually put on Instagram. I mean, I honestly I have no idea what to put on Instagram. But you'd have to tell us. Well, tell honestly, us what you like. Yeah, tell us what you like on the on the website. You know, uh, email us at our you know email address. So uh, if you stay tuned to the end of the uh, end of the episode, we'll kind of give you some of our uh, you know addresses for our our different social media sites and things like that. So uh, with that, goodbye. Let's say, uh, Auf Wiedersehen. You want to do like in German? Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. That's that's, that's really lame German. <laughs> Bye everybody. But we're lame, so who knows? Bye everybody. Don't forget to open your third eye telepathically message us 
at cinefanpod at gmail.com. Set your chronoscope dial to the future setting and peruse cinematicfanpodcast.wordpress.com. Hunker over your ham radio as your keen ears listen for the ghostly voices tweeting on our Twitter at CinematicFanta1. Exchange all of your money into Republic credits and donate at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash cinefanpodcast. Ending transmission now.